On March 24th through the 27th of 2023, I attended both the two-day scope carbine and two-day precision rifle one courses in Reno, Nevada, offered by Bruiser Industries and instructed by none other than owner Joe Dawson. Now, you guys might remember Joe. I've had him on the show before. Um, when I was back in Sh- at Show in January, he was kind enough to come and spend a little time with me. And this episode is actually very popular. I encourage you to go give it a listen. It inspired me to go train with Joe. And uh, let me tell you about these. I'm going to tell you about these classes. There were immersive courses lasting two days each and consisting of both stuff in, from a classroom and lecture perspective, as well as practical instruction. And then that application of that material and skills covered in each course. So we're going to get into that today. I want to tell you about Bioprotein Plus. It doesn't matter who you are, guys. It doesn't matter how you train, how good you eat. It's happening to all of us. Our HGH human growth hormone, the master hormone responsible for our workout recovery, our performance, our metabolism, and even our libido, it starts to go down. So that's where Bioprotein Plus comes in. It's the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH hormone treatments. So how does that work? Well, you can get all the benefits of HGH without any of the needles, side effects, or irritating or annoying doctor visits. Best part is BioPro Plus, well, it works super fast, it's easy to use, and it's 100% safe. So when I connected with the BioPro Plus guys, I asked them to send me what they wanted me to say. And that's what they wanted me to say. So here's what else you should know. If you listen to the show, then you know I'm pretty particular about what I put into my body. I understand the science behind the stuff and having had my own experiences over the years, I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. So the BioPro Plus team sent me a 30-day supply. It's super easy to do. It's liquid formula for the night and the morning. I hold the stuff under my tongue for about 90 seconds and then I go ahead and swallow it. That's it. Here's what happened right away. Quality of my sleep, better. My libido, through the roof. Recovery from my workouts was dramatically cut down and my overall sense of well-being was markedly different. And we're talking this happened within days, not weeks. The bottom line, this is the only change I made in my diet. I didn't change my workouts and my lifestyle during this little personal experiment is exactly the same as it was and I feel fucking amazing. All this with no needles, no prescriptions, and no weird shit to worry about like when using exogenous hormones or anabolics. And if you know, you know. Remember, this stuff is completely legal and totally safe. So if you want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel, go to www.bioproteintech.com or you can follow them at bioproteintech. When you get there, make sure to use code IRONSIGHTS for $30 off your order. Welcome to Iron Sights After Dark. During my 25 plus years in the fitness industry, I've always been passionate about expanding my physical, mental, and hard skills to be prepared for whatever life might throw at me. From fitness to firearms and beyond, taking a holistic approach to being prepared has led me on a journey to seek and share both knowledge and skills from expert resources in the civilian, LEO, military, and first responder communities. The mission of this podcast is to help others expand their capabilities and knowledge of preparedness while building strength in the community that shares similar goals and values. So ultimately, we contribute together and grow together. Jumping right in, here's the facts. Joe Dawson, Bruiser Industries, he's a self-proclaimed gun dork. Uh, you've, like I said, you've heard him on the show before. 
but he's also a author for many of your favorite firearms space websites and periodicals. You may have read him before. He was once operating under the name uh, Joe Darwin as well, if you've read some of his older stuff. He spent 14 years as a U.S. Navy SEAL sniper and was the lead schoolhouse sniper instructor for uh, Naval Special Warfare. He shot competitively in uh, USPSA, IDPA, and PRS, and he currently instructs both civilians and LEO in both pistol and rifle, but he'll tell you his drug of choice is precision rifle. You might also say, if you talk to him, if you know Joe, because he's quite a character, that he likes long walks on the beach, German shepherds, good bourbon, and uh, Nicaraguan cigars. So here's the kind of the overview of these courses. I knew what I was getting into because there's very good descriptions of these online. If you go to his website, bruiserindustries.com, uh, they're re- really, he, he does a really good job of sort of communicating, but just in brief, the scope carving course is designed for an intermediate level or, you know, somebody that's had a little bit of formalized training to expand their understanding of magnified optics. Uh, the course focuses on the use of, you know, semi-auto carbines. So these are gas guns uh, with those magnified optics, such as, you know, perhaps an ACOG or a red dot with magnifier. However, most people are using an LPVO, and I would encourage that when going to these when going to these courses, particularly on the longer ranges that we were sh- uh, and distances we were shooting for this particular class. The goal is to add skills uh, or skills foundation, which can enable you know, that continued improvement I think we're all looking for, and then give you some stuff to walk away with and do on your own. So you can, you know, kind of do some self-guided practice there to improve your skills. I think that's the value that most of us are trying to take away when we go to one of these experiences. So it's not basic. So if you haven't had any time on your rifle or really any formalized instruction, you're not going to be covering things like weapon manipulations, reloads, stuff like that. Um, You're definitely going to be going through some Various positioning, uh, standard and non-standard positions. You'll, you'll, you'll work through those, and um, you'll definitely be challenged physically in portions. I mean, you're up and down all day long, from prone to standing to kneeling, and any number of things. But uh, there is a little bit of a physical component. I'll talk about that later in the podcast. Precision Rifle One uh, is more of an introductory class, as stated on the website. But I will tell you this. Uh, Joe's going to adjust that based on his audience. And he did that for us. Uh, I would say I was, I might've been the least experienced in the, in the precision rifle stuff, or let's just call it the bolt guns. When we walked in, I've, I've had very little time behind a bolt gun. I felt like this class moved as quickly as the, the carbine class. And he told us as much on the first two days that he would adjust accordingly. And I think he did that well. So there's a, there's a list of equipment that you need. It's basics. It's what you'd expect. Obviously you have to go equipped with a firearm with an appropriate optic. Things you want are specific ammo, uh, you know, to, you know, match grade ammo. If you've not uh, been around any of that stuff or ever shot that stuff, you're just using, you know, you're shooting at 25, 50, maybe even a hundred yards on the range. You may not have used that stuff before. So you want to be prepped in plenty of time, order that, get that to your house, uh, so you so you have it. Other things notables would be like a wind meter and ballistic calculator apps. Uh, Joe does a really good job of suggesting what you might need out there. Now he has stuff for you to use. We'll cover that a little bit more later. But you know you could do a little prep work on your own to be to be ready for this thing. I'll talk about how much ammo I actually used while we were out there. But he makes a suggestion there. And then uh, more specifically, if you're interested in kind of what I was using, two things. One. I was borrowing two of Joe's guns for both days. I was I was uh, I was privileged to do that. I do not own um, 
bolt gun specific for this class. I have one in my life, uh, not really appropriate for what we were doing. Um, it's a seventies era, uh, Winchester 300 mag, uh, wood chassis, no bipod. Uh, it's got an old crusty Leopold optic on it. It would not have worked well for this application. And then, uh, one of his carbines, I do not have an LPVO, I was suggested that would probably be the better thing to bring. And I'll, again, I would recommend if you've got one of those, make sure you're using that versus like a, an EOTech with a magnifier aim point, something like that. Uh, I think you're just going to get a lot more out of this class and put that out up, up front. Um, so I was using a 14 and a half inch five, five, six rifle. Um, it had a vortex razor on it. Um, uh, one by 10 and I was shooting 77 grain ammo, which was the recommended ammo, uh, for the, for the class. For PRS, which was the second two days, like I said, I used a 20-inch 308. Uh, it was mounted with a zero-compromise optic. And uh, the if you're looking for a model number, you're real curious, it's the ZCO420. And I was shooting 175 grain ammo, as were most everybody else there. Again, there's a list of equipment for you to to uh, you know to bring and pack. And we used all of it. There was nothing extraneous on there. And uh, I was glad to have the stuff that I took. Things like a backpack with a little extra clothing in it because we were building shooting positions, things like that. I'll talk about that. As well as a, a rear support bag. Uh, that was helpful. I got to use several, but I, I purchased one on my own. That was absolute. I feel like that's a necessity. So there are things there. You go through the list. You decide what you need. All right, let's start at square one. So without trying to bore everybody, I just want to kind of break into a couple of things. If you've listened to any of my previous sort of actor after action reports or reviews on courses, and I've done a couple, and or on like coaching sessions on the fitness side of the house, uh, which is what we cover on the other episodes, uh, you've heard me get into how important I feel the intake process is from the coach and the student. Uh, good coaches do their best, at least attempt to do their best at gathering a good deal of information on the student or, or about their clients up front and before they actually get there. So there's some type of an initial evaluation that can be done a lot of different ways. But for me, uh, this typically happens way before the first day of the session. I think that's important. Upon enrolling in, in the, these courses, I went through a fairly thorough questionnaire online. Uh, again, bruiserindustries.com. And then after that, I had some comms with Joe. Lots of comms with Joe, actually. And as it turns out, a lot of the other students did too. In fact, I think every student did at some level, with the exception of maybe some of the group on the third and fourth day, and I'll get into that later. But there was I know there's a lot of IG comms uh, back and forth just to make sure you were squared away. Joe... You know, Joe's very responsive um, and he t he prides himself on being, you know, thorough there. He answers everything you send him and in, whether you're going to a class or not, it's become sort of a, a comedy point. We were talking about how many DMs he gets a day and how many things he he's answering. If you watch his Instagram at all, you know, there'll be portions during the work. Well, there'll be literally a, like 75 uh, questions and answers in, in his stories up to the point where Instagram won't let him post anymore. There's there's no doubt he highly respects the people that have chosen to, one, even ask the question, uh, let alone get into his courses. I think that's something notable. And um, uh, that's definitely, you're, you're going to get the attention you deserve when you when you sign up with, with something with Joe or just send him a message. Bottom line, I felt the groundwork had been put in for being very prepared to have a successful uh, and enjoyable experience, which is always what I'm looking for when, um, whenever I invest my time, invest my finance, and uh, travel to these things to spend time with, uh, with instructors. It was hosted by 
High Desert Armory in Reno, Nevada, and they're located about 45 minutes outside of city center. This range did not disappoint. It was dope. It included a couple of bays as well as what could be more than... I. You, I couldn't count them all. There was at least 100 targets located at various distances extending well beyond 1,000 yards in, in, in a lot of cases for that long-range application that we were going to be going after. Everything from large gongs to E-type targets or Ipsics and head variations. There were va- various like animal silhouettes out there like turkeys, coyotes, and pigs. Uh, it was there was extensive. The range extends across like a very flat valley, like a flat valley for several hundred yards, and then into a canyon before the geography starts to present various terrain and elevation changes way up into the to the the mountains and the skyline of Nevada. It provided all the right challenges for applying the fundamentals and skills for finding and acquiring targets, reading elevation change, wind speed and direction, and ultimately making impacts on target, which is why we were there. A couple other things. There was a classroom on site, and it was equipped with HVAC, where we spent a good deal of time on day one and day three. Those were day ones for each course. Considering it was below uh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit when we arrived each morning, with both uh, ice and snow on the ground, the uh, the heated uh, classroom was uh, welcomed. I think everyone was grateful and certainly grateful for Lewis, who was our range host. Shout out to Lewis, who showed up about an hour early uh, each day to kick the heat on for us when, uh, before we got there. In addition to that, there are several brand new covered shooting areas and zero FUDs on the premises, I might add. I got that High Desert Army is Armory is super committed to building a premier shooting facility. All this stuff is fairly brand new, and they're looking to get on the map out there. And they want to host only top-level instructors and courses. So if you're one of those people, think you're qualified, give a uh, reach out to, uh, to High Desert Armory and go visit them, get to know them, and maybe have one of your classes out there. Here's a bonus. Unlike a lot of ranges and shooting facilities, this spot is, uh, as I mentioned, close proximity to very affordable accommodations and restaurants and entertainment, family-friendly activities, and so forth. There was one LEO who actually had come down from Oregon. He brought his family, and he was able to have breakfast with the family, get into class, for, have plenty of time to drive out, have uh, get into class for the day, and then get back in time uh, after his family had, you know, spent the day doing touristy stuff and hanging and hanging out, he was back for dinner and for the rest of the evening to have a good time. The double bonus is is that the Lake Tahoe ba- Basin is less than an hour away from the city center. If you if you know about the uh, Reno area, you know, a lot of times when you go to these things, there's always logistics with you know juggling things at home or with work or whatever else. But particularly at home, taking time away. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe wifey be down for a weekend shooting trip. It meant a little R&R for her in the California Sierras and maybe like Lakeside. So like I said, check out High Desert Armory on IG. All right, let's get into the action. So let's just say I went into day one with a mixture of like, let's just say excitement and trepidation. Excited because I've been anticipating this trip for months And I was ready to learn and test some new skills. And effectively, and I've said this before in in other shows, I like being the the white belt. So, you know, walking onto the uh, sort of the mat of scoped carbine and PRS-1, I was ready to kind of be the the newbie and, and the learner. The trepidation or anxiety came from, I guess, trying to aggregate all the previous information and experiences surrounding the equipment to the techniques, math. 
get back to that one. Technology, sort of the list goes on and just kind of get myself prepared to learn. So I, I did have a little bit of nervousness going in. I had a high level of conscious incompetence, right? I, I knew there was a lot of things I did not know. I was okay with that. And I did assume that I would be, you know, drinking from the proverbial fire hose at various stages and points throughout the process. And I was not wrong about that. Very quickly as we started the day, Joe got into introductions. He was assessing his audience for the weekend and basically setting the tone. Joe's great in front of groups of people. I think his, first off, he really enjoys doing that. You can tell that, but I think his his history and uh, previous job descriptions uh, provided him a lot of opportunity to hone some skills there. So uh, we got into equipment and tool requirements, including the rationale and explanation for different things. Uh, obviously, we're talking about rifles, we're talking about optics, we're talking about bipods, all kinds of different things. And he offered his pros and cons to each. Uh, there were plenty of times for questions to get clarification on certain things, even maybe debate a couple of things uh, along the way. For someone that was new, this information was was dense. I hadn't played in the world a whole lot, so it, there was a lot of things I was kind of hearing for the first time. Again, I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just like, okay, I'm I'm just trying to keep up a little bit here. Um, and, and this was everything from, like I said, rifle platforms, optics, triggers, barrel lengths, bipods, tripods, furniture on your gun, and how all of it could and would play into the big picture, as well as more specifically, our training application as we as we handled the, the, the weekend. You know, if you're going to one of these things, you should expect, and I would hope, uh, that you're going to get into the ballistics game. By far the thing I was most interested in and anxious about understanding. I must have watched 75 to 100 YouTube videos on this topic. And this is where you sort of insert that exploding head emoji. If you've ever done that, maybe you can relate. But to say the least, it's a lot for most people and especially for me. Uh, what became apparent to me was the gap between understanding ballistics and the actual application of them, given the variables that can exist across the board. And we were going to learn about all of those. There was a moment where I had to say, take a state step back and kind of take, maybe take a deep breath. And remember that I was only two hours into maybe a four, a four day journey. But knowing that I'm very learn by doing type of person, like I said, I took those breaths, continued taking my copious notes, notes and uh, just asked every question that I was aware enough to ask. There were other people doing the same. Uh, if you go to one of these things and you're just, you know, hoping to kind of sit in the corner and kind of get through and put some rounds down range, I don't think this is the right environment for you. You should probably choose something else if I'm being, being honest. This is very engaging and interactive as we were going through this stuff. Joe's doing a really good job drawing diagrams. We're using grease boards, using analogies uh, and examples. And we definitely had some, he definitely had some props up at the front for us. Later in the day in the weekend, I discovered I wasn't alone. Uh, there were most participants, I think, were feeling kind of the same. We all commented on that fact as we sort of took our deep breaths together on our breaks and, and chatted through the through the morning. The classroom topics you'd expect to get covered in a course like this were covered in detail. And that's what I went for. So like I said, you're going to get some practical examples. And this includes some of the nuanced pieces. Now, I'm a nuanced guy. 
Uh, I always like getting the the meat and potatoes piece, but I always like like so. What are the what's the spices? What are the condiments that have been put on the side here to to really enhance this or or get a, a little bit different a uh, flavor profile to to what it is that we're doing? Um, if you've listened to Bruiser or Joe before, you know he is all about the nuance. And with that, he's he's going to likely forget more of this stuff than most of us are ever going to learn. Um, some of you might might want to argue with that or debate that, but I think internally. He, he knows this, like he knows he's got a lot in there and he wants to get it out. And he does a very good job of sort of breaking each component down into its constituent parts. And I was starting to pick it up. Like I said, a little bit of a fire hose here, but I was starting to pick it up and I was just trying to keep my confidence, my wits about me as, as I made it through so that it could be digested as easily as possible. You know, as the old saying goes, and we were reminded several times, you know, over the weekend, how do you eat a whole elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. So as we got into the details of applying the ballistics theory in practice, there was a deep dive in how to be most effective uh, and efficient as a shooter. And this is where I had to really check my own ADD and anxiety because we're about to get into what, uh, what I frequently dread the most, and that is the math, as I mentioned before. Interesting side story. Um, However my brain works, I, I always had a love-hate relationship with, with math. In high school, I had to take algebra two twice. It was a major source of disappointment for me. I really beat myself up about it at the time. However, interestingly, I simultaneously enjoyed and excelled at geometry, and I aced AP physics, uh, which includes that algebra, but it's just kind of that working math, if you will. And then when I got into college, I loathed and I, and I struggled with chemistry and statistics. I might've even had to take uh, chemistry twice as well. I can't remember now, but at the same time, I was crushing anything accounting and finance. So maybe I'm broken, broken a little bit, or maybe I'm not. This dichotomy always challenged me. So when the math was coming up, I was, I was a little nervous. So as we were venturing into the Mills versus MOC or MOA, BDC, managing your reticle and field of view, establishing and reading wind speed and direction, speed drop, flash milling, and how to put all that together, this was a this was a true test of my ability to really just slow things down and not look like one of those those memes that look like a mashup of a dude looking like he hit the meth pipe prior to walking into a scene from the movie A Beautiful Mind. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Here's a plus. The lessons learned on using ballistic solvers like apps, also the cheat codes that you could find in the Kestrels. These Kestrels are like sent from heaven for a guy like me. Um, I invested in my own knowing that my challenges might, where my challenges might exist. And I was looking for as much help and, you know, as much of an edge as I could get. Uh, and a few others had done the same or had already had, had theirs for a while. But Joe owns like, here's the things like Joe owns like 20 of these things for class participants to use. Uh, it's not a class requirement for you to have to have your own. I just, I just splurged and did my thing. Uh, but these little guys came, became sort of the center of many group huddles later out on the range. Cause we were, and we were all sort of helping each other with the questions that we had about the things that we applied or that we learned or <laughs> forgotten, you know, in the minutes or the hours that had gone by and, uh, and had to relearn, or I guess just be reminded of, uh, they, they, they were fun. They're, they're a cool piece of technology. And I will tell you, there were guys there that had lots of experience that were learning many, many new things about these cool little devices and how they interact and interplay with some of the apps 
that, uh, that, that Joe recommends. The reality is that I learned what, I guess what I learned for me in this is there is absolutely zero way, no way I could have obtained the deep level of value I received without spending the time going through these challenges in the classroom and in front of a whiteboard with the instructor. This is very different or unlike most firearms courses I've been to where 90, 90, 90, 95% of the learning, so to, I guess, so to speak, is happening from the firing line. Uh, there's usually, you know, an intro. We talk about what, what, what we're going to be doing for the day. And then we're kind of just out there and we're starting to shoot. And that's where the teaching happens. My take on this is that this information, you know, that I was learning, it can't be covered any other way. It just can't. And and Joe was, you know, I talked to you guys about my my YouTube experience, my Instagram experience and all that, trying to, to, to pull things together. Joe was very good about asking every participant how he could alter this particular portion of the course. So there might not be, I guess, so classroom heavy. And this was at the conclusion of each day and, and, and each course for that matter. To a person, everyone agreed. It was handled in the best way possible. And given the context of what needed to be taught in the classroom in order to achieve what we did out on the range and ultimately achieved out on the range, it, it, it couldn't have been done in a, a different way. Again, I want to add, this includes individuals with way more practice and with, with the subject matter and the application of the skills. They, they, were, they were agreed. They learned a ton. For, for some, it was a little bit of a refresher, but there was nuance and gaps that were being filled. And each person shared their feedback on how and where it was the most impactful for them and where it might be improved. So again, Joe is very much about like, hey, I know this is this classroom time. We're sitting in chairs and you having to listen to me talk and whatnot. But everybody is at the end of the day just going, well, well it was it was definitely worth it because we learned so much. So just something to keep in mind if you're if you're going to one of these things. I spent a ton of time, probably most time, reflecting on this portion and a good deal of this podcast talking about it because I truly believe the majority of the unconscious incompetence that exists for most students out there in the firearms world lies in this aforementioned sort of subject matter. In this particular case, if you don't gain a solid understanding of the science and the math and you allow, let's just say, social media to influence your belief system about what is and what isn't possible on the range, you'll wind up in a comment section or on, let's just say, YouTube echo chamber that will give you a false or at least a very limited comprehension and therefore very limited level of competence, conscious or not. So if you want to live and play and die in that world, be my guest. That's not me. I'll tell you straight up, this isn't the course or the class for you if that's if that's you. Don't invest and don't waste your time. Go film some unoriginal flashy shooting videos and contribute to the circus that already exists on, on the interwebs. That's my advice. Did we actually do any shooting? Yup, we did. A shit ton of it, actually. Uh, and we started with where you might expect with a zeroing period. And uh, as we got out there, it's included some skills on building shooting positions. So we were starting to get into, again, the things that are centered around longer distance shooting. Things I didn't, I hadn't had a lot of experience with. Breathing techniques were also included in. And then just some basics behind the gun as we were, again, building these foundational skills. And for those that had some experience, they were getting, again, the little bits and pieces, little nuggets to help them be better at maybe what they had learned before and what they were already applying. We were all challenged uh, at, at, at some level uh, based on the principles of individuality, again, based on our knowledge, but also based on a look, structure, size, weapons platform you were using, maybe the, the optic that you were using. 
And so individuality, and it's this other concept of progression. Like, what is it going to take in order to move to the next level? What are the little things you can do if you are maybe a little bit more experienced or advanced? And for those of us that weren't, particularly me, uh, what are the bigger rocks you can be moving right now? What are the major things that you should be working on and focusing on in order to have success here? That part felt familiar, uh, I guess, as a coach. Uh, this gets into you know the difference between being a coach and being an, an instructor. And I have talked about this in the past in other formats, but what does this mean for me? My take is this. Instructors deliver the information. They accomplish the goals within the information to be presented. And then they ultimately tick the boxes within the training curriculum. They, they go down that outline, everything gets covered, it gets done in a timely fashion, all of that is good. However, coaches understand how to do all of this while I would say specifically reaching and impacting each individual, attempting to apply and execute the tasks and the requirements of the said curriculum. The difference between the good ones and the not so good ones lies in the reps they've had over the years and the years of practical application of two things, both their craft and the coaching of that craft. Being able to read what a student, client, participant, whatever needs to hear or feel and see so that they really get what it is that you're trying to get across or what it is that they need in order to, to, to be better is what separates the pack. It separates the good coaches from the not so good coaches. And I think it does it's, it, it draws a clear line between what a coach is and, and what an instructor is. Barking from the back of the firing line, to me, isn't coaching. That's, that's instructing. There's nothing wrong with that. I needed coaching in this instance. I didn't need to be barked at. Sometimes I feel like that might be appropriate depending on what you're doing in, in whatever situation. But addressing individuals as individuals while see, simultaneously finding ways to make those moments valuable for everyone involved in the coaching, that's coaching. The dude is skilled. Joe does a really good job. He's talented and he's passionate about coaching. So he'll find a way for, for the lesson that he's teaching the one person who needs very specific instruction on this one particular thing to be valuable for everybody there. Again, that comes with reps, comes with a few other things too, which we'll talk about later. But um, uh, like I said, I think, think the dude... For me, he had my attention and everybody else's. Um, we were off to very good start uh, once we got to the range. Then from there, we moved to dope verification. Uh, this is where things begin to get maybe a little bit controversial for some some people. Um, and what do I mean? So it's it's super simple. The internet futtery and buffoonery will tell you that what began to happen within minutes of us zeroing as a group are impossible. It, you're just going to, you know, if we put the stuff out there, if I posted the stuff out there, people go, that's, that, that didn't happen. That, that's, that shit's not real. I even hesitate. And I think a lot of people do. And I learned, you know, the reasons why they hesitate to even talk about it here because some troll is going to respond to whatever clip we cut from this particular episode on social talking about how such and such a caliber isn't capable of doing this, or it's not capable of doing that that I lied or embellished about target distance or how they've been shooting coyotes on the grandpappy's farm for 25 years with iron sights at a thousand yards or whatever the fuck these jackals can come up with. I've, I've seen and read some things over my years, but particularly as I've gotten more into the long distance stuff, if, if there's, if there's buffoonery happening anywhere, it is certainly happening in the long distance space. Here's the truth. Here's what happened. Take it or leave it. I, I really don't care. Uh, I'm just giving you my, 
what happened for me and the other people. I witnessed this alongside a dozen others that were out there and, and witnessed the same. Most of us had been limited previously to like 200 yard or shorter ranges. It's just it, access is sort of a tough thing to do. And I'm finding that that could really be kind of the barrier for people to maybe get into this game a little bit more in areas like where I live. I live in, you know, a pretty urban slash suburban area and finding ranges to go out and use, you know, to, to reach out to these distances. It's just, it's just not accessible. All but one of us was using a first focal plane optic and one person was using an EOTech EXPS3 with 5X magnifier. Uh, that was the one guy I was, I think I mentioned earlier. 95% of us were shooting 5.56 with 14 and a half to 16 inch barrels and the recommended 77 grain ammo. Uh, there was one or two rifles, I believe, chambered in like 6.5 Creedmoor. That said, I just kind of giving you the overview of, of what was out there. Within minutes of leaving the 100 yard zero range, Every single student was successfully and repeatedly hitting C-zone, head size, and E-type targets from prone at 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, and 1,000 yards. And they were doing that pretty easily. The dude with the magnified optic, obviously, the sorry, the, the red dot, he was an exception. He, he, but he was repeatedly ringing the steel at like 600 yards. Um, and when I say repeatedly, I mean repeatedly. He was not being overly challenged. Got to add, this also included adjusting for wind. Let's, it was about six to seven miles per hour, per hour and gusting at 15 to 16, where we were located sort of in this little valley I'd mentioned before. But the wind uh, the wind up and into the canyon and the mountains was, I, I would call it maybe slightly schizophrenic. It wasn't crazy, but it was a little bit different depending on what target location you were shooting at. So there were there were challenges there. Guys were standing up with, well, they were done. They were kind of standing up with big eyes, like Buick hubcap size eyes, and genuinely, I guess, surprised at their successes. They were they were shocked, as was I. However, I didn't have a lot of litmus here because, uh, you know, I hadn't done a lot of this before. Only read, I'd had limited experience with, again, that 300 wind mag that I was talking about. And that came, you know, was passed down from my uncle to my dad to me. And basically is like, we don't try and shoot anything beyond 400 yards because that's not humane. And I didn't have, I didn't have good, you know, understand ballistics. I didn't understand weather. I didn't understand wind, any of that. It was really just a guess. So this was sort of my first experience really reaching out there. And it was, it was impressive to me. I was, you know, I was kind of in this whole new world. I'll just say it was awesome. It felt pretty good. I mean, we were, we were off to a really good start. We were only one day into the two days. So this discussion changed a little bit and it was between the students or the participants there and even the coaches. And it was more about how they were now understanding what they learned in the classroom and how it was coming together despite their previous knowledge and experience. So for me, I was kind of finding my way into that conversation going, this is everything I've learned and this is how I've been applying it. And it seems to be working out. It's not wrong. Uh, again, I, I didn't have any biases coming in either way. So maybe it was a little bit easier for me to contemplate this a little bit and, and, and get it through my head, uh, versus some other people. But bottom line is people were, people were shocked, right. Uh, to, to, and excited. I would just say that, uh, to be doing what they were doing. I want to add something. There's something I left out until now, and that's the whole spotting aspect of this, which is a huge portion of this, of this course. As I've said before on other podcasts, uh, I think cool people tend to hang out with with other cool pe people. And I just want to give a huge sh uh, shout out to Matt Vanderveer 
or you might find them on Instagram at uh, at Long Range Actual. Matt shoots ELR, and he came down from Northern California to assist with the weekend. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with ELR, two miles. Th- these guys are shooting targets at two miles away. That's that's a long way at that distance. Once the shot breaks off, uh, they basically have enough time to like get off the optic, take a pull from a hot cup of coffee, get back on the op- optic. To, to see the target impact. It's impressive in my mind, not knowing what I know now. Uh, that is a long, long way away. And uh, Matt was out there with Joe, basically on his own time. He just wanted to come down and hang out with the team. And he was spotting and giving us all wind calls. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, this could have been like the most impactful period for me the entire weekend. Um, there is a skill and an art to this. And I quickly became fascinated with it there were at least a, a half dozen high quality spotting scopes um, to look through the entire time we were out there. So they were all set up. They were behind shooters. You could take a movement around, you get behind your shooter for the day or whoever you were helping out for the time for the time. And you got to see through all this really was high quality glass. And we all began to, to understand and respect both the responsibilities and the roles for the team spotter. <laughs> we really like for me specifically, like I wanted to know what this magic and sorcery was that was being applied was all about. I, it was shocking to me. We all began to, I guess, understand and respect both the responsibilities and the roles for the team spotter. And we were all working to sort of learn the sorcery and magic being employed to put us all on target within two to three rounds by both Joe and Matt. This literally turned into obsession for me. If I wasn't behind the gun or jamming mags, slamming snacks and guzzling water, I was on glass trying to figure it all out. I'd seriously legitimately attend a class to be uh, on glass the entire time for others participating as shooters. To me, it was that intriguing. Attempting to you know read terrain features, wind direction, speed, and just help shooters find the Im- and uh, impact those targets. It was just like impact after impact. And I was listening to these guys, just they, they were very, very skillful. And I wanted to know more. Um, whole new level of respect for sniper teams out there. So if you're one of those guys, have been one of those guys, or you know, you're currently you know doing your thing out there, huge hats off. So that kind of wrapped up day one. We were all feeling pretty good, packed up our stuff. The temperature was starting to drop. It got down below 20 again uh, uh, early into the into the evening, we got the hell out of there, got some food. We came back out the next day. The next day was spent sort of compounding all those shooting skills, now with positional changes that included barricades of sort of all kinds, uh, just sort of obstacles or barricades that we had to work in and around. And with that, it included how to manipulate the rifle, build effective shooting positions based on the use case, depending on what we were doing and where we were, using different support structures or tools brought uh, to or found in the environment. We worked around tripods and we had a huge lesson on tripods. Uh, it was fascinating, actually. I learned, learned a ton. I, I, I didn't realize that the tripod and sort of the sniper game is fairly new to the scene. Particularly, I think Joe had mentioned like they weren't even using tripods till late, late in his career. So that, that was interesting. Uh, some of the, the law enforcement guys out there had, had spent more time around him. What a cool tool. And we learned to do lots of things with it outside of just put our or attach our rifles to it. We got introduced to the equipment application and, you know, a, a, along the way, again, shooting bags, backpacks that we might have been using, other things to support ourselves 
And we were, we were learning the pros and cons to, to each of those. It was an entire day of shooting and experiencing what can only be experienced by actually getting behind the gun and shooting. How much shooting? So going back, I went through 260 rounds for those two days of scope carving. It was, you know, for me, I was busy the entire time. Like I said, I was either in a classroom, I was out on the range shooting, I was on glass, I was jamming mags, I was powering food down. We did take some breaks. It's not like we were being starved out there. When that wasn't happening, I was on gunner behind glass. So, you know, 260 rounds for me was uh, felt like a, a really good uh, two days of this distance shooting, keeping in mind nobody's burning it down out there. All the days culminated in a practical challenge. So this is kind of the the physical part I alluded to earlier, Joe put together basically challenges for us that tested what we had learned. And particularly on the scope car- carbine, it was a combination of problem solving, movement, efficiency, efficiency of movement would be included in that. Uh, there was definitely physicality and ultimately accuracy. My head got the better of me on this. Uh, it wasn't my, my physical fitness. It wasn't my ability to move or not move. Uh, I don't think it was even wasn't even my problem solving skills. I think I had kind of set myself up for success right from the beginning. But like I said, my head got the better of me after I struggled on the first target. Uh, frustration crept in. Uh, I had missed a couple of rounds, and that was followed by some rushed and poor decision making. Let's just say I was irritated with myself. But after some reflection, right there on the spot, and then even walking away later in the day, I was able to diagnose exactly what I had failed at. Uh, big surprise, it was purely fundamentals. The same fundamentals that I'd been you know, taught, the same fundamentals I had been practicing the entire time until the competition. Lessons learned. I think adding some stress into there, whether you be evaluating or watched by the other members of your class, uh, you may, you know, we, it wasn't necessarily on a clock. It was more about getting your hits with limited rounds to do that in with a, with a hit requirement uh, was what this little game, if you will, was. And uh, I think that's good because I think it, it puts people in, in uncomfortable positions. It certainly put me in one and others. Some of the better shooters out there didn't do so hot. Um, some of the some of the, the mediocre shooters were doing fine because they slowed it down. So uh, again, good, a good case for, for, for challenging people. And I had, a, I had a good time with it, albeit um, I got my ass kicked. Moving on to day three, I'll keep the the PRS portion semi-brief only because the formats uh, over the these days were very similar sans the difference between the gas guns we'd been using previously and then the, the bolt guns we were going to be using on, this was a Sunday and Monday. Uh, the group was smaller for PRS and it included uh, about half the group from Scope Carbine um, and a new set of students sort of rolled in that was composed of some regional and federal LEO from their respective SWAT and sniper teams. I want to highlight that because Joe had some unfilled slots for this course and he reached out to these agencies and offered enrollment uh, on his dime. I think that's uh, I think that's commendable. I don't think anybody can, can argue that. Uh, it was great because it gave these guys an opportunity to come out and experience something different, get some reps that they don't typically get. I was talking to him a little bit about that. In today's day and age, when we're talking about, uh, you know, getting cops more training, Joe made sure to put himself out there as a guy that could that could help provide that for folks. So, uh, like I said, I just wanted to add that and make sure that was, uh, that was acknowledged. The PRS classroom time was comparative to me sort of taking Algebra 2 class for the second time, except this time I didn't feel the disappointment. Um, I actually felt totally relieved. 
it gave me and other students an opportunity to relearn, I would say like refile and expand upon what I had been immersed in uh, previously or for those previous two days. I felt completely different um, and was doing a lot more head nodding sort of in confirmation than John chest and eyes, you know, crossed in confusion. Like I'd mentioned the, the, the meme before my confidence was markedly improved. I was very happy to be back in that classroom and recovering similar concepts. And basically that, yes, there was some repeat stuff was like I said, it was welcomed and it was moving at a really good pace. It was no slower or faster than the day before, keeping in mind we had some new students in there. So Joe was going to need to cover some of the same things again that the other guys didn't get. But like I said, at the breaks and stuff, we were talking with with the other guys, the people that have been there the previous two days with me, and they were just as happy as I was to be hearing it again and feeling that same sort of boost in confidence, uh, I guess, competency uh, as we were moving through. The internal and external ballistics conversation definitely goes a bit deeper here. For those of you that know about this, um, it, it, it definitely digs a little deeper. And we were going to be reaching out to longer distances. And obviously, there's extra variables to consider there. But um, I felt I was able to sort of stack on what, like I said, what I had previously learned and was able to pick up the nuance of, you know, what are the differences between these different rounds, these different guns, uh, these different ballistics as they get applied um, in the process. Quickly moving forward, the zeroing was quite similar in respect to the car- carbines, but we had some, again, added nuances based on Joe's, Joe's extensive experience as a sniper. He's, you know, and and long long range shooter if we start to get into the PRS stuff and the things that he's done. At this stage, because we had a little bit more advanced guys coming from the LEO side and the guys that had already been there before, we were getting, I think, a little bit extra. Uh, I don't know because I've never taken a class before. I just felt like, man, we were getting a ton of extra value in some of those little nuggets and tidbits we may not have been able to, to get if, if this would have been a brand new class. And certainly if this was the first class I had taken, that that those nuggets would have would have gotten by me. I think I mentioned this. I was using a 308, 20 inch 308. Um, better than 90% of us were using 308s. Um, various, various platforms and things. And uh, again, everybody was using those LPVOs. So after we zeroed, we hit the range again. Specifically, the goal was to get out there and true uh, things to a thousand yards. This only took minutes. Uh, like I said, given half the group was familiar and confident from the previous day and the other half were sort of fairly skilled professionals. After we knocked that out and built our dope into the Kestrels, we began hitting various targets, various distances and elevations, much like the previous days. Let's just say the success factors became apparent as we as we closed out day one. It was a really good time. It felt relaxed, fun, but challenging all at the same time as we were challenging one another and exchanging notes and able to uh, to socialize a little bit about what other people were doing and how they were doing it, how they were using things and why they'd made maybe equipment decisions that they had made. I think that was a really valuable piece of this because it's very honest and transparent. And it was just kind of right there, those real conversations that we got to have versus the ones that happen, you know, digitally in, in, uh, in cyberspace. So um, we wrapped up day one and then we came back for day two. We were immediately out on the range, no classroom time. We, uh, we moved the distances back uh, to test ourselves right away. So notably, uh, in moving it back again, remember we had finished out by truing at about a thousand yards. We were going to go, we were going to go, uh, much longer today. And, uh, notably one of those, uh, one of those law enforcement officers got on his gun for the first shot of the day 
and uh, and hit it at 1,300 yards. He nailed it. And for me, that was impressive. It really set the tone for the, the last day that we were going to be there. And then as the day went on, we got back into some of that barricade work um, and position building. I immediately, and we were given some flexibility here, so to, to do some things in terms of experiment and move around to all the different things that were out there. Uh, I immediately went to the places I'd been challenged with the carbine in the previous course, the places where I, I was having a little bit more of a difficult time uh, to try to get my arms around things that I needed to work on. And and other people, they they worked to areas that they, they felt might be more beneficial for them to spend their time in this particular uh, portion of the class, whether it was tripod work with with guys that you know use tripods on a regular basis, there were take traps, there were barrels, there were your typical barricades, there were ladders, uh, the huge huge spools you know that you would see like industrial size spools for cable or wire or whatever else. There were lots of stuff for us to to get on. I personally liked that flexibility that was that was provided, and I think others others did too. Um, I think frequently I find myself in other classes, sometimes, you know, standing in line to practice something that may not be the best use uh, of my time based on my personal proficiency or maybe even in the best interest of the whole group. Sometimes the group gets held up for one or two people or we, we get off on tangents. This allowed for those tangents to happen, but in a productive way. And for people to to get time behind their gun in the ways that they felt would be the most pr- uh, productive for them, all while being coached, you know, up and down the line by the, the by the coaches that were there, particularly Joe, uh, making sure he's checking in with each each person, challenging them, holding them accountable, uh, and more more importantly, just making sure they were getting what they needed. I mentioned that cold weather; the weather sort of changed for the better as the days went on, and the final day presented. Uh, some unique opportunities to stand behind the spotting scopes and diagnose the weather conditions and sort of watch bullet paths. There was just so much to learn and absorb as everyone, like I guess each shooter just pushed their limits and and pushed their their, their comfort zones. Uh, I was grateful for that. I, I, you know, I was just trying to, to soak it up like a sponge. When I enrolled, I was seeking a higher level of competency and performance by way of understanding both the theory and the practical application of all the distance shooting stuff. While there's no way to learn or know it all in four days, this experience for me was definitely beyond my expectation. And, you know, I think that starts with the people. I find Joe to be a solid mixture of passion, drive, and integrity specific to what and how he presents. I think the knowledge speaks for itself when you, when you spend time around him. And he'll be the first to tell you his resume is not what he hangs his hat on. That said, I think when you combine these aforementioned traits and you add straight up honesty, straight up transparency, and a a real healthy dose of humility, you wind up with a a diamond in a landscape full of what I can only describe as like semi-polished gemstones and crystals that promise or proclaim godlike status in the firearm space. You, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I think the people that he attracts get this. And I know the guys that I spent four days with got it, and that's why, why they came. Because they all publicly said as much. Um, they, they said it in, in private conversation, and they, and, and they said it publicly at the end. For me, like I've said before, I'm privileged and I get opportunities to go around and train maybe more than the average average uh, person, right? But that said, it's still an investment of time. It's an investment of money. I may have a little bit more flexibility than other people, 
But I will tell you, I, like I shared stories with people where this, the one guy was like, listen, man, I get uh, with between the jujitsu and the family and the job and I got to get my workouts done. And, you know, I got to get the firearms training done, my dry fire during the week, maybe a day at the range. I really only have, you know, opportunity to get out and spend these weekends maybe two times a year. So I'm very, very critical about how I choose and what I choose to spend my time. And at the end of this thing, this guy was like, dude, when's the next one? When, what, what's there for me next? And so that was talked about. And I, for me, that was, that, that just kind of resonated. And here's a guy who's doing all the right things, or at least, uh, you know, attempting to do all the right things as a, you know, a member of his community, a, a protector of his family, you know, as a leader at his, at, at the, the company that he owns and those kind of things. And he has very limited time and, and already he's asking like, well, I only have two this year. I got what I felt my money's worth was in this particular, uh, in this particular instance, I want it again. Uh, I think that's pretty telling. And I think that's probably what most people would want. If you're one of those people that's investing in yourself to get better behind the gun in whatever format, Joe doesn't just do, uh, you know, PRS and scope carbine. He does uh, pistol work and, and other things. I would highly encourage you to check Joe out. He's got a fairly full schedule uh, this this year, and he's building his business. He's open for additional events and, and additional travel, should it make sense for him. So when, when you're building your business, uh, you know, I've been there, done that. The important thing is getting the word out. I have no problem endorsing Joe, uh, his his company, and the things that he is he's putting out there for people. Um, I think uh, you know you kind of get where he's coming from and what type of duty is if you if you see some of the stuff he's doing on social media. And I, I also know that maybe he's not the right guy for you in that sense. That's fine. At least you know. But what I can tell you is if what you're doing is you're seeing and you're looking at Joe on on social and you're going, I wonder if that's the same guy. Trust me, he's the same guy. He's all of that and more if you go to one of his courses. So check out Bruiser Industries at bruiserindustries.com or you can find Joe on Instagram at at bruiserindustries. Uh, check him out, sign up for one of his classes. I do not think you'll be disappointed. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.